Welcome to the Beaver Dam Betting Show. I'm your host, Charlie Dern. Alongside me is Corey Sparks, the resident fantasy football expert in the Beaver Dam office. Uh, we are the two new teammates in the Beaver Dam office here at uh, WBEV Studios and Daily Dodge. Um, now, Corey, this is going to be a show that's filled with fantasy advice. Um, we'll do some gambling advice. We'll recap the weekend before uh, in the NFL and probably venture into some other sports. Um, we'll go over what went wrong, what we got right, um, and then we'll also get into the next weekend and we'll, we'll get some picks going uh, and we'll talk about the, the week that we have in advance. Um, so let's start on the positive side. Uh, what did you get right about the NFL in week three? I like it. Yeah, we'll start high and then dip low. A weekly highs. I doubted the Chargers secondary. I think a lot of you did and it, it paid off. I think the Chargers and Vikings are two defenses. You can really slam the over on whenever you have any type of proper parlay play. Uh, yeah, I was all over the Vikings-Chargers matchup. It's really rare, and I talked to you about this before we turned the mics on, Charlie, that anytime you see a receiver with a line over 100 yards, it's, it better be Justin Jefferson or a select few, right? Somebody in that Devontae Adams area. Um, we had that against the Chargers, and, and he killed it. I mean, that was probably one of the most effortless plays you could have had all week. If you look at how the game panned out, Jordan Addison over 51.5 yards also hit barely. He had 52. So just kind of playing on the weakness of the secondary, the Chargers are now allowing uh, 340 passing yards a game through three games. That's the most in the NFL. I am continuing to hammer home any type of props related to somebody going up against them unless it is one of the worst offenses in the league. Um, you know, now their defense is bruised up. Derwin James is down. Uh, Joey Bose is down. Eric Kendricks is down. Kenneth Murray Jr. is down. Uh, they're all up in the air going into this week. So just keep an eye on that. But I think we learned... <laughs> That, that's a horrible defense that we should definitely be taking advantage of. Yeah, I was all over uh, Kirk Cousins' his longest completion going over 40 and a half yards. Oh. Uh, that one actually almost didn't hit. Um, they had that touchdown to K.J. Osborne. It was a 36-yarder, I think. Um, but then towards the end, he hit Justin Jefferson on that crosser that uh, ended up going and hitting that over. And then I also had Jefferson to score a touchdown. That was another one where he just hadn't scored one before, so I, I figured it's got to happen eventually, and that's, numbers, right? <laughs> a good, uh, that's a good secondary for that to happen against, um, and they're always going to look for Jefferson in the red zone. Um, what I got right, or the first thing that I, that I got right, was sticking with the Browns. Uh, the Browns were a three-point favorite against the Titans. Um, I am just not a believer in Ryan Tannehill, so that was what a large part of that bet was, uh, just betting against Ryan Tannehill. And I believe in Mike Vrabel a lot uh, as a head coach, but – I just think the Browns' defense was always going to kind of tear apart Ryan Tannehill in that offense, and that ended up being right. Uh, Corey, what was your second uh, thing that you got right? Yeah, I think in general, just trusting, and you'll hear me talk about this a lot today, trusting in running back ones on good teams. James Cook had another phenomenal fantasy performance. So just looking at looking at talents like that and understanding they're going to get more touches in the second half, I kind of just trusted my gut on that one, and, and uh, it went well. Um, my second one was Jared Goff, loving his tight ends. Um, I had Sam Laporta over three and a half receptions. Uh, that was something that I actually set a reminder on my phone for, uh, for 9 a.m. on Sunday. So when I woke up, I knew to fire on it. Um, that one hit really easily, and I was going to pick it for this show, but it's actually now after he caught four passes in the first uh, quarter of that game, and he ended up with eight. Uh, that's something that people have caught on with. Now every tweet, every video, every article – Everywhere you look about a prop in the NFL this week, people are taking Sam Laporte's over uh, tonight against the Packers. So I'm staying away from that completely. Um, all right. Yeah. We have some omissions and what we got wrong. Uh, I'll lead off with this one because I got to just 
I feel like I almost have to apologize. Um, luckily, I didn't give it out on a, any show, right, um, but I was giving it out to my friends. Um, the Broncos plus six and a half. Yeah, they, they lost by 50 in that one. They lost by 50. Um, there's a text out there. My friends probably have it screenshotted and they'll use it against me. Um, I said that the Broncos could win outright. I, I thought the Broncos could maybe win that game. Uh, that was a hungry dogs run faster mentality. I, I thought that the 0-2 team, uh, especially with the Dolphins looking ahead to their matchup this week against the Bills, I thought maybe the Broncos would stand a chance and... I've never been more wrong. I think that's my worst loss I've ever had in my life. So, yeah, we'll we'll just move on from that. Well, hey, I mean, good thing we didn't have the show last. Yeah, week, right? yeah. That could, have, that could have been quite the kickoff, and all of you who are watching or listening mm. probably would have decided to never make that decision. Yeah, I'm so, not betting on them ever clean again. Slate. <laughs> yeah. Clean slate. Uh, what was your? Uh, what, what did you get wrong? I uh, I've been talking about this a while, well before the show was even thought of. That I thought Derrick Henry would regress a little bit. I was not expecting 20 rushing yards on over 10 rushes. I mean, th- this is somebody I circled that's going to be 30 this year. I'm always wary about that. We know that running backs have a very small shelf life. We're getting more and more of that day and age, right, where they're going to have a complimentary back. You're Aaron Jones and you're A.J. Dillon. Last year, you're DeAndre Swift and you're Jamal Williams. The whole goal is to prolong somebody's career. Derrick Henry entered the league, I feel like, before that was a trend. Right before that was a trend, it was... I mean, who were his backups, right? It was constantly somebody new. This guy's getting about 60 to 70% of the touches. We're finally seeing fatigue, wear and tear. I think we're able to say that through three weeks. The 20 rushing yards he had in week three was the least amount he logged in a game since I found January 16th of 2020 in the playoffs. So, Charlie, we're looking four seasons ago, the last time that Derrick Henry had that bad of a performance. And then I think we do have a team in the Titans that's starting to invest in the passing game a little bit more. They went out and got DeAndre Hopkins for a decent price, all things considered. They have a healthy Traylon Burks right now, knock on wood. We can expect a a greater prioritization in the pass. And historically, Derrick Henry is not involved in that either. Again, he is that guy who's just going to ground and pound. He started to catch a few more. He had a career high in targets last year. I think if you got Derrick Henry in the first couple of rounds of your draft, I'm sorry, especially PPR-wise. And also, we've got a team that has drafted a quarterback in the top three rounds in each of the last two years. Malik Willis, that hasn't been much yet. Will Levis, we'll have to see. But I think this is a team that's really starting to understand it's time to move on from Derrick Henry, and and he's playing like it's time to move on from from Derrick Henry, too. And I think a lot of that has to then come back to what I thought with the Browns and how their defense is so good. And, and you know, we saw there was a couple of videos that went viral of the Titans actually shifting two tight ends in motion wherever Miles Garrett went. Uh, they were just shadowing him um, because of how disruptive he was. And I think that played into Derrick Henry's performance, especially when he's not getting any help from Ryan Tannehill, as quarterback. Okay. And so I, I do think that we'll probably see Malik Willis or Will Levis by the end of this year. I, I don't think that Ryan Tannehill is the starter in Tennessee before the end of the year. Right, and maybe it pans out okay for Derrick Henry. Anytime you have a switch over to a new quarterback, especially you look at rookie quarterbacks like Bryce Young, that team historically is going to run the ball a little bit more. They don't want to scare the crap out of this guy and make him throw the ball 40 times. Now, there's a few exceptions to that, right? C.J. Stroud being one of them. They are just airing it out. Um, but more times than not, you're going to see a more run-heavy scheme. But, I mean, like you said, it's just not the best offense to be in right now. Derrick Henry doesn't look the best. Tannehill doesn't look the best. I think avoiding poor offenses in general, which we could classify Tennessee as one, is going to be something to watch for. Well, and that actually segues really well into our lessons learned yep. of the week. Um, that's the silver lining of getting things wrong. Uh, when you pick a team to maybe win outright that then loses by 50 points, you learn a thing or two. Yeah. Um, and the number one thing that I learned is 
don't bet on bad quarterbacks. Uh, don't do it. Just don't do it. I uh, Three of my picks were Jets plus three. They lost 15 to 10 of the Patriots. That almost did cover. Uh, there was that really bad safety in the fourth quarter. Uh, and then just assuming that the Jets are going to be able to score anything when Zach Wilson's at quarterback, bad idea. Just yeah. don't do it. I'm not doing it. I'm not going to keep doing it. Uh, I also had the Panthers plus six and a half. My theory there was actually that with Andy Dalton playing at quarterback and not Bryce Young, that he actually might give the Panthers a better chance just because he's you know more conditioned to the NFL speed and Bryce Young didn't look good at all. And the, the spread didn't move at all when that uh, injury news came out. Mm-hmm. So I thought that Andy Dalton would give them something a little more than they did. Uh, that defense didn't really help when they ended up losing uh, 37-27. Uh, you know, the offense held their own. I thought it was going to be a much uh, less scoring or high scoring game. Um, so, yeah, that was the number one lesson I learned. And then, well, I guess, yeah, and then betting on a bad quarterback. It wasn't Russell Wilson's fault Definitely that they lost that game. You know, it's not his fault when, they, uh, when the other team scores 70 points. But now we know, you know, probably stay away from the Broncos. I think that could be a general rule of thumb. Uh, what what was your lesson that you learned or your first one? Yeah, and I still didn't want to spring off with what you said with like Zach Wilson. You know what's alarming? I'm looking at lines across multiple apps this week. Uh, Zach Wilson doesn't have a uh, plus or minus interception line. Like it's usually, are they going to throw one or not at .5? The uh, <laughs> the odds experts just know. Like they're just assuming. So yeah, good reflection there. Mine, I'm going to kind of reflect what I said before, and I'll mesh it into something else. We've got to invest in running back ones on winning teams. Uh, Eight of the top 10 in the standard PPR format are on teams with winning records right now. And we can also jump over to a team like the Dolphins. I mean, they just had two potential running back ones on the same team in Devon A-Chain and Raheem Mostert. I mean, I also just want to look at teams that have been doing well so far to back that up. So we'll look at Philadelphia, Miami, and San Francisco. All three and all right now. Those are the three undefeated teams. They are all top 10 in the league in terms of how often they run the football, so run-to-pass ratio. And why else do I mention them? I mean, because they are the three undefeated teams in the, in the NFL right now, we kind of want to look at their backfields. Guess where their running backs are stacked up in, uh, in points per game? we got Raheem Ossert at number one, Christian McCaffrey at number two, Devon Chain after that one game, Grant, there were 70 points, he's number four. DeAndre Swift, after touching the ball twice in week one, is up to 10th. If you can find an undefeated team, they're likely going to run the ball game script-wise, but it's also no coincidence that at least Philadelphia and San Francisco have been built on the run for a while, so you're going to see an investment there. I'm just I'm going to trust it, and I have. And so far, I think it's going well. I think it's something we can take going forward. The, uh, the second um, lesson that I learned overall, uh, and this has kind of been a running theory that I've got going, is when we see lines that are one and a half or one point in the NFL, just take straight up. Just take the money line on whatever side you like. Uh, The Packers now have played, and this is pretty Packers-specific, but the Packers, their last two games, they've been uh, one-and-a-half-point favorites or underdogs uh, to who they've been playing, to the Saints and the Falcons. Um, Both games ended up with a one-point difference. Uh, The Packers losing by one against the Falcons, the Packers winning by one against the Saints. Whenever we see that, we should just be taking money lines because it's it's really not worth having to worry about the points. I had one and a half for the Packers. Actually, as a favorite, I took that early in the week. Uh, they moved to underdogs actually before uh, kickoff. But still, overall, I think we should just be doing money lines there. Um, we're going to go to break. And on the other side, we will have some fantasy advice, a couple picks, and a few touchdown scores uh, for week four. Uh, you're listening to 1430 ESPN and Daily Dodge TV.
Welcome back to the Beaver Dam Betting Show. I'm your host, Charlie Dern. He's Corey Sparks on 1430 ESPN and Daily Dodge TV. Uh, Corey, growing up, did you ever play Kiss, Mary Kill? Oh, yeah. Very common game. Yeah. All right. So I've got a version of that for you, uh, calling it Start, Sit, Cut. All right. So I'm going to have three players. We're going to try and keep them all around the same level. Um, and then fantasy-wise, would you start, sit, or cut them on your team? Okay. All right. So we've got DeAndre Swift, Josh Jacobs, and James Cook. Start, sit, cut. All right, we'll roll with just standard PPR here, so I'll keep in ma- I'll keep in mind like pass catching upside, all that good stuff. I'm gonna start with James Cook. Um, Six point one yards a carry right now. We saw a lot of efficiency out of him last year when he was the RB two behind Devin Singletary. I think that's somebody that a lot of people are really excited about because, as I made the point before, he's a running back one on a winning team. So we know in the second half this guy's gonna get usage. Buffalo's gonna try and shoot on the clock a lot. If we look at his matchup this week, Miami has allowed over four and a half yards of carry at the moment, so a pretty weak defensive front, a little bruised up. Uh, Cook has accounted for 44 of the team's 90 rushes, and he's the most efficient rusher on the team other than Josh Allen, which I feel like is pretty good company to be in. So we haven't seen Damian Harris take much of his usage so far. That moves me on to Josh Jacobs at number two. Very close to swapping these two, and I'll explain that in a second, but Josh Jacobs will be our sit. Uh, still holding out hope that he kind of builds off that career year he had last year. He somewhat improved last week. I was looking for an abysmal week three to just sell on this guy because really an anticlimactic start to the year. But uh, 20 touches for 80 yards last week. Not crazy good, but he goes up against the Chargers defense, allowing the uh, 12th most fantasy points to running back. So I think we're in a comfortable spot there. And I'm telling you, Charlie, DeAndre Swift is almost above him. I want to see a little bit more. After getting two touches in the first game of the season, I've still kind of got a scar on him. I'm a little wary because the Eagles, they run the ball great, but there's so many moving parts there. He has cleared 300 rushing yards in the last two games combined. Uh, The Eagles are favored by eight points in this game, meaning I think there's a more run-heavy scheme involved for them. But my issue, Charlie, is Jalen Hurts is so involved as a rusher. We've got Kenneth Gainwell back there as well, who's still been pretty efficient. I've got him at third right now. Mark my words, though, if Josh Jacobs folds this week, these guys swap, and I put DeAndre Swift above him. I'm always worried with uh, James Cook about Latavius Murray stealing those touchdowns yeah. at the goal line, and that's kind of the same problem with DeAndre Swift. You know, the Eagles have that tush-push play with uh, Jalen Hurts where anything within two yards of the touch of the end zone, it's going to, it's going to Jalen Hurts, and they're going to score it. So I've got about the same. I, I do like DeAndre Swift just because of their offensive line. Their offensive line just opens up so such big holes. And, you know, Kenneth Gainwell, I always think that he's going to do more, and he doesn't end up doing as much as I end up thinking. Uh, and then Josh Jacobs, I have no idea what to think. That offensive line is so bad. It's so bad. And yeah. I don't know what he's supposed to do back there. I don't think it's his fault. And he's still probably playing into shape a bit. You know, he wasn't in camp all offseason uh, as he was holding out with his contract dispute. So I think those rankings are fair. I, I did have um, James Cook as the start for this week just against the Dolphins. I don't believe in that defense. Um, I'll see it when I believe it. Uh, I'll believe it when I see it. Uh, and then DeAndre Swift, I've benched him. And then Josh Jacobs, I'm, I'm cutting him at this point. Yeah, I can't blame you for that, right? I mean, Josh Jacobs, that was a case study I really looked at a lot last year. Yes, he broke free for over 1,500 yards, but I mean, he did it the hard way. A lot of those yards were yards after contact. Yards before contact, he was outside the top 50, which reflects what you said. When you have a poor offensive line, you have to do all the work. And now you have a Raiders team who, I mean, dare I say it, doesn't look too good. And I would say definitely regressed right now. Don't want to completely blame it on Jimmy G, but the offense doesn't look great. Defense is giving up a ton. When you have a team that's going to lose a lot of football games, we talked about the inverse with James Cook. The Raiders could throw the ball a lot. And unless some of those passes are going to Josh Jacobs, not only are we not going to see a ton of efficiency, which he's already kind of looked bad in that category, 
he might not get a lot of usage. So we're cutting Josh Jacobs. That's something I didn't think I'd ever say, especially after he led the league in rushing last year. But yeah. that offensive line, like we're saying, it it stinks. So, all right. Um, we'll move on. We've got, both got two picks and a touchdown score. Um, so these are player props. Uh, they could be totals. They could be uh, sides, really anything. Uh, two picks each and a touchdown score. I'll lead it off. My first pick is Thursday Night Football, Packers-Lions. Lions are two-point favorites, over under 45.5. I'm going with Jordan Love, longest rush over 10.5 uh, yards. Okay. Now, he's done this in two games so far. Uh, he's his longest rush uh, in week two and three was 24 yards in both games. Uh, and then week one against the Bears, his longest rush was nine yards. So he didn't get it there. But um, I still think, you know, especially with uh, Aiden Hutchinson across from him, I think he's going to be scrambling at times. And I think that especially with the Lions beat up secondary, he's going to be running a good amount. Um, the Lions have also given up a longest rush of 16 yards to Pat Mahomes. Uh, week one, and then week two, it was 15 yards to Geno Smith. Uh, week three, their longest rush uh, to the quarterback was actually just two yards, but that's Desmond Ritter, so I'm kind of discounting that and kind of just throwing that away. Um, so that's my first pick. Uh, what do you got for yours? Yeah, first lock for me is going to be, it seems simple, but I think it's effective, Christian McCaffrey over 80 and a half rushing yards, and you'll see that line fluctuate throughout the week against Arizona. Uh, CMC is a no-brainer on pretty much any pick, but of course the Lions are going to account for that, right? 80 and a half, I feel like it's a pretty fair value for somebody with over 350 rushing yards on the ground right now. He's nearly averaging 120 on the game, and that's not even including his pass-catching threat. He looks dynamic behind that offensive line led by Trent Williams. Uh, maybe Arizona puts up a fight and hangs around. That's a different conversation with the spread, but you know, San Francisco's been so effective at any time you watch them controlling tempo. There was a big running joke going around just the fantasy community in general, that San Francisco is a boring team because, you know, they're well-leveled. There's a lot of talent. They kind of cancel each other out. They're not a team where somebody's going to go out and get you 30, 35 points a game in fantasy per se. But Christian McCaffrey, out of all those candidates, I feel like is the most likely one. They also eat up time of possession. 34 and a half minutes per game are going in that favor. So you don't have to worry about Christian McCaffrey being on a team, even though Arizona might go throw heavy and try and hold the ball, that's going to keep it away from him. So I really like Christian McCaffrey's usage. And again, game script, game script, game script. If we talk about a team that's favored by two touchdowns, I think they're going to run the ball a lot. Biggest favorite of the season so far, the Niners are a 14-point favorite over the Cardinals, over under of 44 points. Uh, my second pick, uh, we'll move over to the Dolphins-Bills game. Uh, the, Dolph or the Bills are a two-and-a-half-point favorite at home, uh, over under of 54 uh, when I saw that line at first, I was a little bit surprised. You know, how are the Bills a two-and-a-half-point favorite after the Dolphins just scored 70 on a team? But, Fair point. <laughs> hey, it is what it is. Um, but kind of going off that point of the 70 points, uh, I like Jason Sanders, the Dolphins kicker, to, uh, to kick more or to make over one-and-a-half field goals. Okay. Uh, so I took this one last week. Um, it didn't hit because he didn't attempt a field goal. They scored 70 points without attempting a field goal. Uh, so when I was watching that, you know, I'm just watching, like, come on, just Broncos defense, one time, just stop them. Give me two times. Like, no, no answers, no field goal attempts. I think it'll happen this week. I think the Bills defense is better than people give them credit for. Um, I think when people think of the Bills, they think of Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, and they think points. They're thinking higher scoring games. They're not really thinking about this defense that did take a step back this year. Uh, they lost a couple players, but I still think that they're really solid. Uh, so I think they're going to be able to stifle the Dolphins a little bit, um, at least a little more than the Broncos did. That's probably a certainty. Um, so I like this over one and a half 
field goals. Uh, and to go along with it, Jason Sanders has attempted three uh, kicks in the first two games. Uh, the first game, he went three for three. Second game, he went one for three. Um, I'm not as worried about that. Um, that was against the, the Patriots in that rainy, gross game. Yeah. So I'm not as worried about that in Buffalo. Uh, I think he will be able to make three or two field goals. That's fair, right? You got an offense that knows how to move the ball, and then he attempts three kicks in each of the first two weeks, but then you get the anomaly. I mean, when in our lives are we ever going to see somebody score 70 again? Probably never, but, you know, with how bad the Broncos have been, uh, and we'll touch on them a little bit throughout this episode, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, anything's possible. Yeah, all right. So for your second pick, you're uh, you're going to the Chargers-Raiders game. Uh, Chargers minus five and a half, total being 48 and a half. And you like Keenan Allen in this game. I do, and it's mostly because of that Mike Williams injury. Obviously out for the year. Uh, Keenan Allen's the wide receiver five in fantasy right now. Oh, actually, he's the wide receiver one. Excuse me, folks. So, you know, when you have someone with that much usage, you have somebody like Justin Herbert who can sling it. He's passing over 40 times per game. Typically, I lean away from the wide receiver one on lines when a team is favored. But because it's only by a touchdown, both of these teams are pretty god-awful so far. And the loss of Mike Williams and the fact that Austin Eckler is working towards playing right now, uh, that's a pretty subjective term. Either he doesn't play or it's Thursday when we're recording this. I doubt he's 100%. I think that uh, I think Justin Herbert's going to lean on his main man in Keenan Allen. Are you worried at all about Quentin Johnston, the the new guy, the the rookie from TCU? A bit. I wonder if there's going to be a bit of a grace period with settling him in because he didn't have the most impressive training camp. Lots of drops. I think he's definitely going to be elevated. We've also got Joshua Palmer in there as well. But Keenan Allen has just been a staple of this offense so far. The fact he's beating everybody else in terms of fantasy points per game, and they lose Mike Williams. I think Johnson's got a role, but it's not that big yet. Yeah, Keenan Allen's been consistent his whole career uh and he got what 18 receptions or something like that last yeah. week it was crazy so and i guess that was against the vikings defense who were always bullish on but moving on to our touchdown picks uh so anytime touchdown score they could score at any point in the game and our pick would hit um i've got a saints bucks game guy uh saints are three point favorites over under a 40 and a half uh, i'm going with chris olave uh I simply think he's just due to score a touchdown. He hasn't gotten one yet. He's the favorite on the team. Yeah, I'm a little nervous that Derek Carr's not there, but at the same time, we know Jameis Winston's going to sling the ball. That's all he does. If anything, if he's going to do anything, it's going to be sling the ball around. Oh, yeah. uh, I'm a little worried with Kamara coming back that they're going to be really run heavy. Uh, they've been trying to run it and really establish the run this year, but I really don't think that, especially against the Bucks defense, where they are really good at stopping the run, I think that uh, Jameis Winston, they're going to try and open him up and, and feed the ball to Olave. And when you're getting him at um, plus 170, I like it. You know, you're almost doubling your money on that. Oh, 100%. If there's anything we've learned about Jameis Winston, especially after that 30-30 season, he's a volume passer. So I like the pick. All right. Uh, moving on to yours, you've got the Monday night football game, Seahawks at Giants. Giants open as a one-point favorite over under 47. How are the Giants favored in this game? That's a great question. I, uh, that doesn't make any <laughs> sense to me. That's a phenomenal question, after the perform- especially after the performance against the Cardinals, who maybe we need to give them some more respect after True. what they did against the Cowboys. But yeah, I'm rolling with Kenneth Walker III, anytime touchdown scorer. Keeping it simple here, he's got four touchdowns in three games. The Giants have given up seven rushing touchdowns in three games. That's more than two per game. We haven't seen much volume competition from Zach Charbonnet yet. I'm pretty confident on this one. All right, great. I love it. So then to close it out, we've got a little family play, a little parlay of both of our then final picks. Um, We'll hopefully add a third pick onto this, you know, increase the juice a little bit. 
Um, but for mine, I've got Chris Godwin anytime touchdown at plus 250. This is another one where I think he's just sort of due. He still hasn't gotten his touchdown. He was so close to getting one last week. He missed it by about an inch uh, in that Monday night game. Um, sure, Baker is not the best passer. I'm not the biggest yeah. Baker guy, and he does love Mike Evans. Mike Evans is a touchdown machine. Every year, every game, he's going to probably get his. I still think that Chris Godwin, it's his time to get one. I just think it's going to happen. It's got to happen eventually. This is the week. And this is still an offense that doesn't really lean on the run. Rashad White's looked all right, but the main way they've gotten him involved is through the pass. So I like it a lot. I'm the biggest Baker fan myself. But they're starting out 2-1, and one, looking okay, coming back from a week where they lost to the Eagles. We'll have to see. I'm rolling with Stephon Diggs over 79.5 receiving yards against Miami. I think this one kind of speaks for itself. Uh, we had a game that was blown out of proportion, 70-20 to 20 last week. But historically, and even the last couple of years, Miami secondary, just not the strongest. I don't know if it's a shootout. We've kind of got offense versus defense here, but I'm going Stephon Diggs. All right, and when you combine those plays, uh, it combines at plus 554. So that's a pretty steep parlay that we've got for week one. And that'll do it for the first edition of the Beaver Dam Betting Show. I'm Charlie Dern. He's Corey Sparks. We'll be doing this every Thursday. Thursday evening is when they'll probably air. And, uh, yeah, thanks for tuning in on 1430 ESPN and Daily Dodge TV. Have a good one, everybody, and good luck.